Well, good morning again. Open your Bible is to Second uh, Thessalonians chapter three. I couldn't help but think, um, in relationship to Bob's comments uh, about his son, and of course we've always uh, looked at your family as one the Lord has blessed, <laughs> and thank the Lord for the way He has blessed your family and. Uh, I know all of us who have children, you, never, you know, once you have them, you have them forever, and uh, your concerns for them never change, but uh, one verse that's always been one of the promises of God, you know, they're all yea and amen through the Lord Jesus Christ, that he who has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Now, I know that's an all-gambit type of verse, but, you know, we can apply it to every situation in life. And even though uh, we as parents have our ups and downs and our children have their ups and downs, if they're in Christ, they're in good hands, and the Lord will bless those who honor him. And then the second thing that was going through my mind, and this is always bad when things are going through your mind when you've got other things you're going to be talking about, but the Sunday school thing. You know, Genesis chapter 6 Boy, what a terrible time to live in. <laughs> well, what does scripture tell us? As it was in the day of Noah, uh, so shall it be in the day of Son of Man. Now, did you see anything that was flashing up there of all these terrible things that, are, that have gone away? I mean, the world is as wicked, if maybe not more, than it was when God looked down in Genesis chapter 6 and said, you know, I've got to destroy. It's getting so bad. Well, we believe the coming of the Lord is drawing close. And why? Well, because all those things that were flashing up there, I see every day. I hear every day. And in fact, many of them I experience in my own life every day. You know, we live in a wicked, sinful world. But praise God, we have a Savior who is dealt with a sin problem. We rejoice that we are in Christ Jesus, because boy, if you are not, uh, you're in bad straits. But you know, I thought, how interesting. Here I'm looking at Genesis chapter 6, and I'm looking at the news and the things that are taking place in the world today. And as a result, there's really no difference, is there? The coming of the Lord is getting closer and closer and closer. Well, we're going to be looking at the third ch uh, chapter of Second Thessalonians. We've been doing a brief study on that. Uh, just very briefly, uh, remember the, the book starts out uh, with a reminder of the fact that in First Thessalonians, he was writing to them just a relatively short time before he wrote the second letter, emphasizing the great love and faith and hope they had in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then just a short time later, he writes and he says and compliments them on, on the fact of the love and the joy they had in the Lord Jesus Christ, but the word hope was missing. They had lost their hope, the great expectation of the Lord's return. And what it caused that was a false letter written uh, and forged with Paul's signature on the bottom saying, you know, the suffering you're doing for the Lord is because you're already in the day of the Lord. 
And he had taught them before, well, the day of the Lord cannot come before the rapture. But here they thought they were already the day of the Lord because these false teachers were telling them this. And this letter had reinforced that. And in their minds, Paul was agreeing with that because it was a forged signature of Paul's name. So once again, he has to introduce, and we looked at that in chapter 2, and pointed out the difference between the day of Christ, which is the rapture, and the day of the Lord, which is the beginning of the tribulation period. You see, the suffering they were doing was real. They were suffering so much for the Lord that they could in their minds imagine, based upon this false letter, you know, all this suffering we're doing for the Lord is because we're already in the day of the Lord now. And Paul says, no, no, no. You're just living godly in Christ Jesus. You know, Scripture teaches us that if we live godly in Christ Jesus, we will suffer persecution. The rapture hasn't come yet. We're not in the day of the Lord. And he convinced them once again of this blessed truth. And now as we get into chapter 3, yeah, we're going to look out at what, well, what are we supposed to be doing? Because we're still living, looking forward to this blessed hope and expectation we have that the trump is going to sound one of these days. And we're going to go meet the Lord in the air. And we're going to be forever with the Lord. But you see, in chapter 3, he reminds them, because of this blessed truth, we have to work harder and harder, which can result in suffering and even greater suffering. And, of course, if we are truly living godly in and through Christ Jesus, you should expect to be suffering in this world today. And we know as we look around us, uh, a lot of the things that we, we think about concerning Jesus Christ. In fact, some of the, one of the songs we sang pointed out some of the facts, you know. We don't really live as though we expect the Lord Jesus Christ to be coming back at any time soon. And that's evident in our lives. And what we're going to find in chapter 3, which is, is really broken down into three sections, but we're only going to look at one section, and that's going to be the first five verses and what we're going to see here, he impresses upon the saints five things concerning his service, their service, and therefore, because this is the Spirit of God's word, it's our service. These are things we should be doing in our lives, and also in their devotion to the Lord. Our devotion to the Lord. So as we go through these five different things, let's be sure we examine our own hearts to see if, these, if our service for the Lord and our devotion to the Lord is what it should be as we look forward to that blessed day when we're going to stand before him, whether it's at the rapture where we meet him in the air or whether we walk through the valley of the shadow of death we still will be in the Lord's presence. But you see, it's at the rapture where we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. That's the very next event after the rapture. The saints of God will be standing before him at the judgment seat of Christ. And we'll give an account as to what we did in the Lord 
from the time he saved our never-dying souls because we were saved unto good works. That's you know, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. We know 8 and 9 very well. But we forget that we've been saved unto good works and we're to be living for the Lord. And if we really are, we will suffer persecution for the Lord. So we will just look at the first five verses. It's not that the rest of the chapter isn't important, but it just kind of reinforces some of the things that they should be doing. But primarily, the things that I want to focus on are the five things concerning our service and our devotion to the Lord as we look forward to that time when we will be with the Lord. And the greater our service for the Lord and the greater our devotion to the Lord will result in greater persecution from the world. And unfortunately, we don't see too many Christians really suffering for the Lord today. And then we wonder why the world continues to get worse and worse and worse. And the body of Christ seems to get smaller and smaller and smaller. And wherever I go, everybody's concerned about this, and rightfully so. But we have to understand there's reasons for it. So let's just take a moment to read these first five verses of 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified, even as it is with you. And that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. For not all men have faith. But the Lord is faithful, who shall establish you and keep you from evil. And we have confidence in the Lord concerning you, that ye both do and will do the things which we command you. And the Lord direct your hearts in the love of God and in the patient waiting for Christ. Now, God will bless the reading of his word. Now, as I mentioned, there's five things here that are mentioned in these five verses that should be true of us concerning our service and our devotion to the Lord, as long as the Lord gives us breath. The first one is found in verse 1. It's prayerfulness. Prayerfulness. Now you say, well, I've heard all kinds of messages on prayer, Bob. Well, I'm sure you have. And if you read God's word, you're reminded often and over and over again the importance of prayer. And yet, let's be honest, we, most of us are not what you would call prayer warriors. I've met a few. They were, uh, they were at Rest Haven Home, which is similar to Western Assembly's home here back in Michigan. And I was told when I was a young boy that uh, one of the elders went up there and he said, you know, I was up there and I want to share something with you. He said, I want you to know that every one of these saints at Rest Haven Home have you, your brother, and several other young men from our assembly. We were young boys at the time. You are on their prayer list. Every last person at Rest Haven Home had me on their prayer list. And then they said, you know what they were praying for? That the Lord would use you someday. Now think about that. These were prayer warriors. You know, at the time, I thought, well, that's nice. You know, 
being a young boy, yeah, well, that was nice to know they're praying for me. But you know, today as I look back, and I've thought this many times, if the Lord has blessed my ministry at all, who is responsible for that? Those dear saints who prayed earnestly that the Lord would use me of all people, you see, in his service. You know, we don't understand the importance of being prayer warriors. And Paul here is saying, I want you to understand something. Yes, you're suffering. Things are tough. But you understand, you have to be praying, prayerfulness, and that the word of Christ may have several things. First of all, that it would have free course. Interesting phrase. Primary means that the authority of God or Christ might be acknowledged in the submission of men to the gospel of Christ. Oh, how the gospel of Christ is needed in the world today. And yet, unfortunately, we don't see it acknowledged like we would like to see it. Well, part of the reason is we're not praying that the authority of Christ might be acknowledged in the submission of men and women to the gospel. Now, we pray for those in our own family. You know, we all have people in our families somewhere who are not saved, and we pray for them. But you see, you look at the world today, do we live in a wicked, sinful, Christ-rejecting world? Well, that's such an easy answer. It's not even hardly worth asking. Christ is left out of everything today. Throughout this world, he is not acknowledged for who he is, what he has accomplished, what he's able to do in the lives of people. You see, why were these Thessalonians suffering? It was because they were preaching the gospel. They were concerned about the people all around them and their relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, as they went out and preached the gospel, and they were well known for doing that throughout the entire region, they were being persecuted. Well, Paul says, keep on praying that you see the Lord, you, what you share will have free course, that the authority of God, of Christ, might be acknowledged in the submission of men to the gospel of Christ. Nothing's going to help improve this world at all except Christ and the more people you have who follow the Lord Jesus Christ. The second thing he prays is that they would be glorified in their prayer life. And the idea here is that Christ's power would be exhibited in them. Examine your own life. And I have to do this with mine often. Is the power of Christ exhibited in me? Is the power of Christ exhibited in you? Do people see the power of Christ in your life? 
It's so important, you know, if they don't see Christ in your life, why would they listen to you about what Christ can do if he's not doing anything in your life? See, don't tell me what you believe. Show me what you believe. And three things are brought before us that are necessary for effective ministry and service. First of all, I would suggest a consciousness of our personal inadequacy. Our personal inadequacy. You know, when you think about your effectiveness for Christ, it's not because you are adequate in yourself. We're very inadequate. We're just instruments that God wants to use and will use if we make ourselves available to him. And, you know, as you think about some of these things when you, in relationship to effective ministry and service, first of all, there has to be a consciousness of our own personal inadequacy. Why is that so important? Because it's the thing that will lead you to dependence upon the power of God or Christ working through your inadequacy. See, Christ in us is our hope of glory. But you see, Christ in us is what enables us to serve him to his honor and glory. An example is taking place right before you now. There's nothing adequate about me in ministering God's word. I'm just another dumb nut. But you see, Christ can work through me. And that's my prayer. When I study, I always pray, Lord, reveal to me, work through me. I understand. I'm just another guy. I am. But you see, you got to get over yourself. Understand, we are very inadequate to do what the Lord wants us to do. And we, he understands that. Paul understood it. What did Paul say? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know, we often look and say, the Apostle Paul, if I could just have been an Apostle Paul. Well, you can be an Apostle Paul if you allow Christ to work through you as he did. He understood. He was nothing in himself. You see, his adequacy was from the Lord. He depended on the power of God working through his inadequacy. And then the next thing is dependence upon the power of prayer of others. You know, I don't know how many of you people pray for me, but I know wherever I go, I always say to people, please pray for me. Pray for me. Why do I need your prayers? Because I'm inadequate. You know how important it is that other people are praying for each other? You know, you look at your assembly here. You need to pray for one another. <laughs> and I mean earnestly pray for one another. You have to get to know them well enough. You have to be willing to share to others 
the trials and the tests and the things you're going through that you're struggling with, particularly in spiritual things. You know, I understand the importance of what I'm doing. I'm going to be held accountable, doubly so, as a minister of God's word. Pray for me. Please. It's important we pray for one another. And, you know, dependence upon others' prayers are so vital. I already gave the example in my life. I look back, and to this day, I thank those dear saints. They're all in glory now, and they've been for some of them 50, 60 years. And yet their prayers are being answered. Well, they're gone. You're not. Pray for me. Pray for me. And I should be doing the same for you. And, you know, we know, I I couldn't help but think of Bob's comment about he hopes his son keeps on going forward. Well, pray that his son will. He's asked us to do it. I will do it. As the Lord brings him to mind. We need to pray one for another. So the first thing that's important in remaining faithful to the Lord and being used in his service and being devoted to him is prayerfulness. The second one is in verse 2, is preservation. Here we pray that ye or we may be delivered from unreasonable and perverse and wicked and evil men and women. You know, it takes a very simple statement there. For all men, and that means all mankind, have not the faith. It's amazing how many in this world in the city of Claremont, do not have faith. They're people without faith in the only true and living God, the Lord God Jehovah, the Lord Jesus Christ. And you see, as you think about your prayer life, we're talking about the faith, not faith itself. You know, it's like Jews said, this is the faith that was once and for all given to the saints. This is what we're supposed to be sharing. Not my opinion of things. We're to be sharing the word of God with those who come into our life. You see, not all men and women believe the faith. Oh, they believe something. Everybody believes something. But there's a difference between believing something and believing the truth. And the word of God is the only truth we have. See, the written word tells us about the living word. And the living word is the one who gave us the written word. This is the truth. And therefore, we should be praying that we will be persistent in the exercise. Because, you see, there are all kinds of people around us who the Bible calls as kind of wicked men and women, and they are. You and I, even with Christ in our lives, we as individuals are still filthy, rotten, guilty sinners, saved by the grace of God. See, I have no hope of glory, but because Christ is in me, I have hope of glory. And you see, that's what the people need. This is what the dear saints of Thessalonica were 
right, why they were suffering. They were telling people this. And not everybody was appreciating it. In fact, probably very few were appreciating it. And yet it has to be done. It is a sad fact that some will never believe, no matter what, how clearly and lovingly the gospel message is shared and preached. And you know, it's so easy to get discouraged when somebody turns you down. So easy to get discouraged. You know what we normally do when we get discouraged? We stop. We stop. But we're not supposed to stop. You see, it's a sad fact that there are people who will never accept the truth. It's not that they can't. They willfully will not accept the truth. Now, I don't have time to read these two passages, but I want to bring them to your attention. One is Isaiah chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. Isaiah 6, 9 and 10. Don't look it up now, just make note of it. But here Isaiah is making a prophetic statement that the Lord asked him to do. And it, it talked about, I want you to speak to these people so their eyes will not, will not be opened, their ears will be closed to the truth because they choose to believe a lie. And then the other passage where the Lord uses this particular passage in Isaiah is Matthew 13, verses 14 and 15. And he points out what Isaiah was really saying. He's interpreting what Isaiah said. And he said there, it's not, they're closing their own eyes. They're closing their own ears. So they won't receive and believe and be delivered from their sin. I know the people around us, the vast majority that you run into, they are without Christ, they're dead in sin because they choose to be that way. They're willfully ignorant, Peter says. They're willfully ignorant of creation. They're willfully ignorant of the flood. Just, you know, that's judgment. Well, creation speaks that there's a God. They don't want to believe that. And if you don't believe in God, you obviously don't want to believe in judgment. And that's why they don't believe the flood. You see, we have to understand there are a lot of people around us who do not know the truth and have no desire to know the truth. Well, does that mean you shouldn't still give them the truth? You know, the Spirit of God is always working, convicting people of sin and righteousness and judgment. Every day, you open your eyes and you see God's creation. The Spirit of God is speaking to you. You may not want to listen. You may choose not to listen. But you see, the point is we have to understand there are a lot of people around us who just are not people of faith or enjoy the faith, the Word of God. But nevertheless, as the saints in Thessalonica, that's no excuse for not sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with those you come in contact with. So important we do that. In Isaiah 55, 7, God says, Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous their thoughts, and let them return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him, 
and to God, for he will abundantly pardon. One of my favorite songs is, Who is a pardoning God like thee? Why am I so thankful for that song? Because he pardoned me. You see, I was once one of those sinners out there who didn't want to commit himself to the Lord. But praise God, the Spirit of God was sent for what purpose? To convict each and every one of us of sin, that you're a sinner, of righteousness, that you don't have it, but the Lord Jesus Christ did have it and does have it, and of judgment, that you are under judgment, but at the same time, Christ bore your judgment in his own body on Calvary's tree, and that's what we remembered this morning. You see, we have to understand how important it is to let people understand that they must return and turn to the Lord because that's the only way they will ever have a relationship. And as we mentioned this morning, be reconciled, brought into harmony with the holy and righteous God. All right, in spite, uh, in spite of all of this, uh, we also remember Jude says, earnestly contend for the faith that was once and for all delivered to the saints. Earnestly contend. You know what it is to be contentious? We're, we're, we're contentious quite often. That's not a good trait in many areas. But there are areas where it is good to be contentious. I'm to contend for the faith that was once and for all delivered to the saints. How are you doing? Well, hopefully better than I am. I should be doing more of it. You see, we just don't do it. These dear saints were doing it. And now that he's explained again, well, no, you're not in the day of the Lord yet. The Lord hasn't come back, but he's coming. And you should be found a good and faithful servant. These are things you should be doing in your spiritual life. Yes, you will suffer if you do. So be it. That should not hinder us from doing these things. The next thing in verse 3 he's praying about is protection. Now, he points out here in this verse that not all are faithful, but faithful is the Lord who will establish and support you and guard you from the evil one. How often do you think about that? Not everybody is faithful, but the Lord is. The Lord is ever faithful. And he's the one who will establish you. And he's the one who will support you. And he's the one who will guard you from the evil one. The evil one wants to keep you from doing what you're supposed to do. And he's having an awful lot of success, I hate to say it. He really is amongst the saints of God. Oh, he can't get into me or anything like that. But he will do whatever he can to hinder me from being what I should be before the Lord. Of sharing the gospel of Christ like I should be sharing it before the Lord. Let's understand something. We may not be faithful in ourselves, but the Lord Jesus Christ who is within us is ever faithful to us. And he will be faithful to you as you step out every time. 
to share the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if somebody socks you the jaw because of it, he'll be there. He'll be there to strengthen and encourage you to get up and move on. Maybe you'll get another punch in the nose. So what? He'll be there. He's always with us. He's ever faithful. And that's why we have to keep moving forward. That's what he's saying to these dear saints who have been suffering so much. Keep on keeping on. For us, many times, it's not keeping on keeping on. It's just getting going. And you find once you get started, you will see the Lord will undertake. And I've experienced that in my lifetime over the years. When you do step out and take that chance, it's amazing how you experience the Lord's presence with you. That doesn't mean you're always successful, but he'll help you endure any trial or test that comes up before you in his service. But he will also encourage your heart, letting you know I'm there with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you during these difficult times. Paul prays that they won't focus on faithless men, but on the never-failing God. And I think that's where we make our mistake. We get denied so many times. You get laughed at so many times. You even have people curse you out many times. But you see, we get absorbed with that, the, the unfaithfulness of men. And we never focus as much as we should on the never-failing Lord and Savior we have within us. He's the one who will enable us to keep on keeping on. And also, we also have to understand that Satan will do anything that is possible to turn people away from the simplicity of the gospel of Christ. You see, one of the greatest weapons is this. What you are advocating that all you need to do is put your faith and trust in the person and the atoning work of Christ, and you will be saved for all eternity. That's, that's too simple. It's too simple. You know, people today like to think they're intellects. Well, I don't care how many degrees you have. I have several. That doesn't mean anything. That doesn't make me an intellect. I just have knowledge about certain things. But I had to do a lot of work and things to get that, degrees and all that stuff. But when it came to salvation, I didn't have to do anything except, except the Savior. And you see, once we've done that, we realize, why well, it was so easy. I surrendered my life to Christ, and all of a sudden, things are good. Christ is in my life. I know it. I experience it. All these truths of Scripture come alive. And they're real to me. And I enjoy it. I love it. You see, it's such a simple thing. But you see, the intellects of today, this is too simple. But you see, it's the simplicity of the gospel of Christ that makes one righteousness unto salvation. So simple, yet so complete. Well, the next one, number four, is perseverance. We have confidence in the Lord. And I can't overemphasize that. 
You see, that's what he's praying. You have to have confidence in the Lord that they would continue to obey God's word. The basic idea here is we have confidence you will persevere in what you were taught, not because of their stability of character, but because of their relationship with the Lord. You see, the closer you walk with the Lord, the more success you're going to experience because the Lord can walk through you. When you yourself are living for the Lord, relying and depending upon the Lord, living in obedience to his word, see, depending upon him, understanding he's everything. And he is everything in your life and mine. You take him out of your life and my life, well, what do you have left? The same frustration you see in the world today. Terrible. You see, the simplicity that's in Christ. And I know we're in a day where you can't even really use the name of Christ in a public setting anymore. It's being debated all the time on television, wherever you go. Oh, we can't have Christ lifted up. You can lift up Muhammad. You can lift up Buddha. Well, sure. They're nothing. They're dead. They're nothing. But you can't lift up Jesus Christ. See, Satan, Satan won't want that to happen. That's why you suffer persecution. Well, I guess I would rather suffer persecution in the name of Christ than never suffer persecution because I'm a coward. Understanding he's within me. The power is within me to do what he wants to do in the lives of other people. So we have to have confidence. And finally, because our time is gone, the fifth thing here is patience. And, and the Lord direct your hearts in the love of God into the patience of Christ. Here it seems to express a desire that the Lord might remove anything which would interfere with their hearts' affections being centered into the love of God and under the patience of Christ. Now, a paraphrase of this verse goes this way. The Lord teach and enable you to love as God loves and to be patient as Christ is patient. <laughs> Do you know how Christ has been patient with you? I'm so glad he was not impatient with me. It's amazing what he puts up with in me. He's there. You know, that type of patience has to be ex expressed in our lives if we're going to reach others for Christ. You have to be patient. Have patience with the ungodly people in this world. Understanding the prince of this world is seeking to blind their eyes. Well, I know that. But greater is he who is in you than he who is in this world. And the victory is ours and can be anyone's who places their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, because he is the one who is our strength. You see, we should emphasize that they may learn to love God, that they may apprehend the love of God towards them, that they might love each other and all mankind after the pattern of his love. We can kind of just close with Jude 24. Keep yourselves in the love of God, 
In other words, constantly enjoy the realization of God's love for you and God's love in you, and then use that to move out and seek to reach others for Christ. You know, this is a, a short little book, and yet it's such a powerful little book because you see people who love the Lord who are in tragedy, have tragedies in their life because of their service for the Lord, and yet they keep on serving the Lord. Yes, they get discouraged, but you see, because they're praying for one another and encouraging one another, and they know Paul is praying for them, they know the Lord is working in their lives, they keep on keeping on. And we're done with the book of Thessalonians, but you know, their lives went on after this book letter was written. And I think they probably, for a long time anyway, continued to be faithful to the Lord to the end. And I guess that's the challenge before us here. Yes, we learned some different things here, but the most important thing is, is this. If you live godly in Christ Jesus, you will suffer persecution. Praise the Lord. Can you think of anything better than standing before the judgment seat of Christ and say, have the Lord say to you, thank you for being willing to suffer on my behalf. Wouldn't you want to hear that? <laughs> well, you're not going to hear it unless you do it. Maybe we all understand it's important to live godly in and through the Lord Jesus Christ and reach others for Christ. May we have a desire to do that. Shall we pray? Our gracious God and dear Heavenly Father, how thankful we are for your word and the instruction that we can receive from it. We do recognize the weakness and feebleness of the messenger today, but we also recognize the greatness of the Spirit of God that is within us. We can do all things through Christ who will strengthen us. And we've been challenged in this epistle to be willing to suffer for the Lord Jesus Christ. For no suffering we endure could even begin to compare what he endured that we might be reconciled and brought into his family as children by nature and sons with all the privileges that go along with it. Help us, Lord, to be faithful to you, to your word, to one another. We just ask your blessing upon this assembly. Just continue to thank you for the way they love the Lord and seek to move forward. We thank you for the young people we see here. Just truly bless this assembly. May they remain faithful to you, and may they have the courage we're so thankful to hear they are going to have an evangelistic meeting or crusade or whatever you want to call it. Just bless it. We pray that as a result of it, fruit may be seen where people will come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And above all now, we just pray that you will work in our hearts and lives to your name's honor and glory. Part us with your blessing. Bring us to our various homes in safety, we pray. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.